So today on Dissecting Popular IT Nerds, we've got uh, Jose Garcia. And uh, Jose, would you uh, like to introduce yourself and tell us where you're working and what your title is? Uh, hi, everyone. So um, I am currently working as an IT manager for Datamark. Um, I've been in the tech um, you know, industry for about 20 plus years. I mean, it started off, you know, when I was uh, in high school, as many of uh, of us uh, geeks uh, generally go through. Uh, I had my first computer when I was uh, more or less around 15, 16. And then, uh, you know, um, it's, it just elaborated from there. So um, I guess essentially I got introduced into technology because of my dad. Uh, my dad is an electronic uh, technician, so he would take apart uh, computers or, or um, you know, televisions, uh, anything that had electricity running through it. It was him uh, fixing the components inside. So as, you know, some of these, uh, some of this equipment was, of you know, readily available for me to take over and just play with, I started getting a lot of interest into how technology works. And essentially that pointed me into the direction of computers. Um, so... So tell me a little more about the uh, the electronics and the things that you learned to do and like all of the components because because uh, as some people may or may not know Jose and I know each other and and had met earlier in our our careers and, and I've seen you fix things that most people are like oh it's broken and they just are ready to throw it away but these experiences that you're talking about now um, what are what are some of the things that you did early on with that how did you first learn and what kind of Things did you experiment with? So, so what's what's interesting about uh, you know electronics is that every single component, just like in computers or software, every single component has a purpose, right? Um, so, you know, you've got your your transistors, your capacitors, your your resistors. They, they, they manipulate the electricity a certain way so that you get the ultimate um, you know result that you have, like a television running or um, you know. Uh, I don't know, your computer turned on or whatever the case may be. Um, as my dad would explain to me how these components worked and, you know, how the electricity would work on you know, the, the, the variables or, or whatever the requirements are for that specific electricity, what the output would be for that electricity or um, how that component would, would manipulate it, um, I, I began to learn how to, um, you know, basically fix the, the equipment around me. Uh, one of the first experiences that I, that, that generally um, kind of um, gave me an opportunity uh, for him to kind of focus a little bit more on, on, on him teaching me some of this, some of the stuff was um, he had a, a box of, of you know, um, broken uh, radios and, and, you know, uh, DVD, uh, sorry, CD players. And it was all in a, in a big box, and um, there are a variety of components put together. And, and generally, I asked them, you know, what, you know, can I play with these? And that was essentially the the the, the question, right? I was around 13 years old, and he says, "Yeah, that's trash. I'm going to throw it away. I mean, is there just extra components? Yeah, you can do whatever you want with them." So, I from you know, it took me about maybe two two to three weeks. Um, uh, doing a little bit of research, you know, trying to find out exactly how the components work. Uh, eventually, I had a Frankenstein stereo that that you know uh, had a a CD player that played music, um, and it was 
the only CD that I could find at that moment, at that time, because I didn't really have a CD player, the only CD I could find was, you know, one of the ones that, that they give you um, in, in the demo um, radios, like at the stores, you know, they have one that has like a elevator music playing on it. Well, anyways, that right there um, kind of piqued his interest to see, you know, how he could uh, kind of share his knowledge over to me. And, uh, um, you know, during my high school, <clears throat> excuse me, during my high school, I, I kind of used all that for like science fair um, projects or for, you know, you know, keeping keeping me busy. Um, I remember that uh, one of these times uh, I built, um, you know, with his help, a uh, radio uh, transmitter. And it when I when I built that, um, it was a, a really uh, fun experience. So. It would generally transmit. It's just like a regular radio station, but it, you know, it was a uh, maybe about uh, two to three football uh, fields in, in in radius, and uh, it was always fun, uh, kind of playing with it. And um, you could also kind of it, it was. I didn't really quite understand how um, it would actually um, kind of modify the frequency so that if anybody was was listening to a radio while they were driving up, I can generally. Uh, make it so that it would change their channel. I could never explain how we got it to do that, but that was always interesting to me. And and that technically you know, piqued my interest into technology and try to learn a little bit more as to um, how things work and how I can use them to to uh, um, you know to make things a lot better. So with well, a couple of things in there. So so one of your first teachers of electronics and and technology. Um, it sounds like a, a rare, a rare thing, at least in my experience so far, um, was your own father, which is kind of cool. Um, and, and I'm also thinking back to, um, how like today our kids, um, you know, you're talking about CDs and, and that was going to be some of the topics later is like, you know, what, what are your experiences with technology? So you're talking about CDs at, at 13 and 14 and, our kids today have never had to deal with CDs. <laughs> you know, they've always had the streaming music and the music services. Um, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. so how did you turn this? Um, so talk about that progression then from going from electronics and, and um, Frankensteining or, or putting, taking components from multiple devices, getting those to work together to, um, computer systems and, you know, in becoming um, a director of IT and then a manager of IT at a, a global company. Talk, talk a little about that transition, you know, high school through um, college. So, you know, the, the interest in technology that, that of course, um, you know, um, kind of gave me a, a you know, the opportunity or not the opportunity, but the interest to go after, you know, go to this, go to the libraries and kind of pick out uh, books related to, to electronics and, and, you know, and start work my way there and eventually ending up in computers and understanding how uh, to manipulate them and how to make sure that, you know, make uh, work uh, efficient. Um, when, when I was, I'd say about 15 years old, that's uh, 15, 16 years old, more or less at that time frame, that's when I got my first computer. Um, it was one of those gateway uh, 
you know, that, that had a, that came in a, a cow box, right? And it was, uh, yeah. uh, like the 286 or the 386, one of those, that era yeah. or, or even newer. I, I think it was like an M, uh, 866 or something. Um, it kind of, I kind of vaguely remember you had a windows millennial, um, operating system and, um, yeah, it had a, like a, a whopping, you know, forty gig drive uh, back then. Um, when, when my when the, my mom actually uh, bought me that one, it was for me and my my brothers. Um, and uh, uh, you know, being able to utilize some of the programs out there to to do a variety of things, um, it, it 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 you know, it just kept get growing and growing. Eventually, I went into when I was in high school, I went into programming classes and I, I took, uh, you know, Visual Basic, uh, COBOL, um, C++. Did you guys have broadband or were you doing dial-up? Or, or did you have to wait for a while before you even had connectivity? Oh, uh, it was, uh, what was that? It was uh, um, when I was using it, you know, uh, we had those CDs, right, uh, that you would purchase or whatever. And that uh-huh. they gave you like, so so many minutes of the internet um, for free. AOL, yeah, all of those, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it was still around in in, in that that time frame. Um, we didn't. I didn't really have uh, you know internet per se um, uh, when I when I got my first computer. It was generally for like um, software. You know, I'd purchase software, install it, and utilize it that way. Um, you know, I would go after those free because they always had some of those free promotional. Um, opportunities that you can hook up your uh, DSL or your, your phone line to them and use them. So that was one of the first ways that I was able to get to, to the internet using the free and then eventually um, getting a DSL uh, line into the house. So um, that was one of the first computers that I had. Um, I had an e-machine as well from uh, my dad's site. Uh, he purchased yeah. this computer. That, that computer, actually, the the gateway computer, um, it was two thousand two thousand five hundred dollars when when my mom purchased that. A year and a half later, yeah, it was like wow, like that. Those things are expensive. Um, a year and a half later, I think uh, was when my, my dad purchased the uh, the computer that I had, um, you know, at his house, and it it was more or less around five hundred to six hundred dollars. It was a major uh, price change. That was an emission, right? So, I mean, this is back in the day when, when you know, I was using, you know, some software like uh, Messenger, uh, you know, uh, what was the other one? Uh, MySpace, um, you know, going into that era, that's when, that's when a lot of my interaction with the internet was um, in, in that mm-hmm. time frame that was, was pretty big. So were you, did you learn to code your own HTML? Because I remember that, like, I never really got into MySpace or any of the uh, social medias that much. But the, um, with, I remember MySpace being one where you, to make your page different, you would actually do the HTML behind the scenes and then um, craft your page. Yeah, exactly. So that that was the fun part of, of, of having, you know, one of those pages you can, you would be able to modify. So yeah, mine was, uh, you know, pretty, uh, um, elaborate, you know, I had a lot of, it's kind of hard to remember because it's been so long, but I had a lot of things on it. Um, you know, different, uh, background, different fonts, different, uh, the, you know, it, it was, um, 
it was a, it was a pretty fun uh, way of of making something your own that was out on the internet, right? Yeah. <laughs> Tell me, did you ever use the flash? <laughs> Remember those those uh, uh, the tags that we could put in flash, <laughs> and it would blink on and off. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. Yeah, I did use some of those. <laughs> oh man. Um, so yeah, like like in in um, in high school, um, you know, the the programming class uh, that I took, um, that was one of the you know, the defined moments where I I wanted to get a career in uh, specifically programming. Um, I wanted to learn, um, you know, how to create software, how to, and that was my main focus, and that's e- essentially where where I finished. Um, my career in, in, or at least that was the, um, you know, the focus of, of, of my career is um, programming, um, you know, learning uh, how to code uh, C++, C-sharp, all that, all those kind of, um, you know, important um, programming languages that are out there. Um, but so, it, okay, it, let me interrupt you for just a sec, because you, you brought up COBOL, I think you said Pascal, you said a couple of... You talked about the the languages that were like the true structured language where you know line 10 line 20 line 30 yeah. um go, go to 40 <laughs> um if x go go back to line 10 um and then now you're starting to talk about some of the object oriented so how did you find that switch from the structured programming over into the object oriented world so cobol what was fun about that class is, yeah, it, it's, just, it's just exactly how you how you're mentioning, go from one to the other. Um, COBOL, it, it was a, an introduction um, to to programming, right? Um, uh, I love the fact that you could create, um, you know, certain programs that would uh, pick out from from different different areas to essentially come up with the result. And and what was, you know, I would take that home and, and build my own little programs at home. Um, you know, when I it, you know, as geek as this may sound, whenever I had my friends around, I would come back and tell them, hey, you know, look at the program I made. And, uh, you know, I would have them go through a series of either questions or buttons. Um, I believe it was just questions at that moment. And then eventually at the end, it would come up with, uh, you know, this flashing little screen that said, you know, uh, you know, things like, um, you know, I'm better than you or, or, or you know, <laughs> things like that. Just to... And then obviously they weren't in technology, so they're like, "You're such a you're such a nerd, right?" That was was kind of their response. But um, you know, as I transitioned into Visual Basic, and I, I saw the opportunity there, um, Visual Basic, I was introduced in high school, but um, in college, um, I was uh, able to learn how to really apply it to you know day to day things and how we can create um, applications, software, things that you can incorporate in you know in the lives of, of people so one of the senior projects that i had or sorry sophomore projects that i had was to create a um uh what was it a a thermostat that would essentially turn on uh, a heater or turn on uh, the air conditioner it was all through visual basic um, so all of that was was really really fun and, and being able to to um you know create that um, was even you know that was the whole the whole point of, of where where I wanted to go with um, as far as programming goes being able to 
build stuff that um, would make things a lot easier to do. Okay. So then, all right, so now you've hit high school, you're doing the programming, you've learned those kinds of things. Um, What was one of your first jobs? So you're already invested in technology, like technology. Where did where did you go after high school and and did you go right into college or did you um, start working or doing both? I started working. Um, obviously, I is the works that or, or my jobs that were focused in technology actually started at EPCC. Um, I I went for it was uh, the Student Technology Services, which is an awesome program that they have, where you get to shadow um, the IT. Uh, department or the IT leaders or the IT, um, you know, employees that they have there and kind of learn from them and understand what they do day to day. And so as I'm, I'm working with them, I mean, it was completely different than what I was, I was going, you know, or what I was uh, uh, trying to finish my degree in, but at the same time was introducing me to other aspects of, uh, of technology, you know, the, the hardware aspect, the, you know, how, um, servers communicate how um, the network is built how the network works so things that were you know generally don't interact with people that you know or or are not essential for their job duties uh for those that are programming or those that are in development those that are um it's not it's not their forte they have to understand um how it affects their applications or how it affects their their programs but essentially it is not um, their responsibility so um as I started to learn um, how, you know, the networks are are, are uh, um, connect, interconnected with each other and how they function and what's important between, um, you know, the different uh, server environments and the different, uh, you know, user environments, you know, that started to kind of divert me in a different direction. And so as, um, so I, I was there for, for maybe about four years, and I shadowed, um, you know, different, uh, different uh, managers within there. It, it was uh, mainly the network side. Um, there was also um, a little bit of the uh, kind of like the help desk or, or server side of, of EPCC, and uh, so that you know that was one of the one of the ways that um, I was introduced into technology. Um, in that sense, in, in that aspect. Um, from there, I went into uh, what was a Goodwill. There was an opportunity for, for me to go to Goodwill, and uh, it was as a, you know, the reason why I had that transition is that, all right, you know, I got to a point where, okay, I feel pretty confident here. I'm, I'm not going to learn, um, you know, anything new, and uh, I want to go, right? So there was an opportunity for me to go to, um, what was it? Uh, a goodwill and uh, kind of be a, a you know level one instructor. I was a computer instructor for the uh, uh, for one of the programs that they had there, and I, I technically um, explained to them and, and taught them how to how to mainly maintain their computer, how to uh, make sure it's protected, how to um, utilize applications like Word, like Excel. Um, how to make sure that their computer is is generally well maintained. That was my uh, job responsibility. 
And then, right, so let me let me interrupt again for a second and and kind of talk about that summarize that that progression. So so you first start off playing with the circuit boards of um, different electronics and and then being able to connect those together and, and um, create a, or get a device put together working. Then you start playing with programming, um, get to understand and know programming. And then start looking at the physical aspects of computers and the networking and the interconnectivity of it. And and then your next job is teaching people how to use computers. And now we're back to right where I interrupted you. So go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> exactly. So so when you're teaching somebody how um, you know how to spec out their computer, and um, is, you know, somebody that, that generally doesn't know or doesn't understand um, how, you know, how a computer functions, they're generally afraid of it, right? And being that it's Goodwill, one of, the, one of the awesome things about Goodwill is that, you know, they get a lot of things that are donated. And within those donations, there was a lot of computer parts. There was a lot of computers that were, uh, you know, monitors, um, towers, you know, you name it. There was a lot of things that were donated to Goodwill. So... How do you take fear away from some of these students that, you know, they just don't want to touch computers because they're, they're afraid, but they understand that that's where, you know, the job market is going. They need to understand how to use Excel, how to use Word, how to even, um, you know, operate a computer without um, it, it. You know, in, I'm talking about in terms of, you know, 13 years ago, it, you know, in that time frame, and you're talking about an older generation that wanted to understand how computers function. So how do you take the fear away from them? And it's, you know, expose them, expose it to them. So what I would do is I would build these computers. I would place it right in the middle of the class and I would have them take it apart. And the reason for that is that I wanted them to understand that there's no real um, fear when you kind of understand what each, uh, each piece of the computer works. Now, this, this, uh, you know, this, these uh, um, individuals that I was teaching, they, um, they didn't really understand the technical technical terms that we use um, in the technology world. So I, I generally had to kind of find other ways uh, how to explain how to maintain their computer and how it would work. And uh, one of those, <clears throat> one of those that I that I thought you know, kind of sort of mimics the whole idea of how to properly shut down your computer. Because that was one of the first things that, that many people do, right? You go and you hit the power button and you wait until it completely shuts off. Well, that's incorrect, right? That causes a whole bunch of problems that we all know later can, can actually corrupt your computer, corrupt data, corrupt um, any of the applications that you have there. So one of the, one of the ways that I explained it to them, and it, it, you know, it, it just made sense to them, was... You know, imagine if you open up your refrigerator, right? And you open up all the doors. Your refrigerator is running with all the doors open. You know, the doors completely open. The little cabinet doors are open. You know, everything is open. And, you're, you're, and you come back and you say, I'm done with this. And you slam the door. Chances are those doors are going to close in. But what's going to happen to them? You know, you might get a little bit of fracture here. Or you might get a little, um, you know, a little chip here and there. They may continue to function, but there's a possibility if you keep doing that, it's going to fail on you. And that was one of the ways that, that oh, this is why you don't hit the, 
the power button. It's going to cause things to actually break. So this is why you shut down all of the applications and close all of your windows and bring everything to bring the computer back to a neutral state before you tell exactly. it to shut down. Exactly. So, um, and that was, that was one of the ways that I was able to, to, to kind of explain in a different level or a different uh, point of view to kind of help some of these individuals that I was trying to help um, teach them how to maintain their computer. You have to so find what the individuals that you're teaching, are they the same age? Are they younger? Or are they older? No, they're, they're generally the older. They were older, um, you know, trying to, uh, as part of the program to, to kind of um, learn newer skills to kind of hit a different job market. Okay. And or to just even get back out into the job market potentially? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. All right. So then after Goodwill and teaching, where'd you go after that? Um, so, or, or were there any lessons that you learned besides that ability to communicate, you know, the, uh, the complexity of the computer to um, older people who were not computer savvy? Or did you pick up anything else? Um, and through this part of, of your career of ways to uh, communicate to the non-technically or the people who weren't curious enough to start figuring out how to um, solder different components together to get a CD to work or, or make their own radio transmitter? <laughs> <laughs> at, at that point, um, what, I, what I learned from there is uh, customer service. That was one of the first, that was one of the biggest things that I learned from there because it, you know, my job was to teach it, right? It wasn't my job to kind of explain it in such a way that they would learn. So understanding that they're there, they want to learn, they, they want, you know, they want this, they're there every morning and, and they're fighting for a seat. So understanding that, that, that want, that need and kind of finding other ways, finding, um, other ways to communicate so that it, it makes, um, you know, it strikes a chord with them, that, that, that it, it, it makes sense. That was one of, the, one of the biggest things that I learned from that job, trying to understand how to, how to see what the customer wants and how so to make them happy. This wasn't teaching grandma how to use a mouse or how to right-click and, and open up a window oh. or, or get to the settings, but it was more like teaching somebody who um, has been flipping burgers their whole life, how to use a computer to try to get a job in an office. Correct. Or, or, you know, some of the, you know, some people that were hurt and, you know, that they can't use their, their, their hands anymore because, um, because of, of, you know, for whatever reason. So trying to find a better way to make them um, efficient so that they can go into the job market. Okay, so the way you said that sounds like you actually had that experience. You had to work with somebody who couldn't use their hands anymore. What, what exactly. kind of solution did you come up with? How did you how did you make a computer usable for them without it being and from goodwill without it being a, an investment in a voice only computer? Which you know, I remember Dragon speaking naturally way back when. And it was not that good. No, <laughs> it's no, not no. like the, the things that we have around now where we say, hey, 
<laughs> no, it, it, exactly. And, and I'm not talking about, you know, completely losing your, your, uh, your ability to move your hands, but, but, you know, I had, I had people that, you know, had like carpal tunnel from doing, um, you know, the assembly line year after year after year and, uh, they, they couldn't do it anymore. So, and, and it, it, it's kind of unique talking about carpal tunnel and then, a, and then going into a, a field that, that has computers. Right. But it wasn't about, um, it wasn't about, um, going into a, a, a repetitive It's about opening an opportunity that they can use programs like Excel to be able to do their math for them or to have, um, you know, uh, an inventory to better understand how they can provide a service to a company um, while not having to do things on paper or not having to do things that are repetitive or, um, you know, not damaging their, their, their hands uh, more than what they've already done. Um, so that was one of the, one of the ways that I, that I learned customer service. All right. Yeah. So customer service through, effective communication and and communicating in the way the customer needs versus um corporate directive or or following a, a specific script to achieve a goal but exactly. achieving a goal through um solid communication exactly okay and then and after goodwill and that's when I started uh, working at Mesilla Valley. Um, so the program, uh, unfortunately, was uh, shut down um, at Goodwill. And there was a variety of programs that were shut down uh, in the El Paso um, uh, area. And uh, essentially, I had, um, you know, I was laid off. So at that point, I started looking for other opportunities. And there was one specific opportunity that came up at uh, Mesilla Valley. And um, uh eventually that was as a logistics clerk that was my first position there and it was um it was a short uh, lift one but um that was the one that that um put me or, or that allowed me to put the foot in the door to be able to grow with Messia valley um so Messia valley is a uh, transportation company a trucking company um i know this because because i work there <laughs> and um but just for the audience who doesn't recognize and doesn't know what's going on. So, so you were working as a logistics clerk at Mesilla Valley transportation and then, and then you got a different opportunity. Correct. So as, as a, as a logistics clerk, um, some of the things that I, that I found there that were, were, um, you know, to my benefit is that the TMS software or um, the transportation management system that we had there, was you could find ways to automate certain certain aspects of your work. So, you know, I would I would go in there, um, you know, start my day off at eight o'clock. I would um, basically hurry up and finish my my day to day tasks so that I can continue doing my research. Um, and I would learn how this um, how this uh, application. Um, how, how could I keep, how would I be able to make that so that it picked up the, uh, repetitive items that I generally got from the same screen? Um, so essentially I was able to automate my work, um, on that, uh, you know, on my computer. Um, and then I had a, a loads of time extra for me to do other things. So 
essentially what I did from there was I would finish my, my, my workload and then I would go to the other departments to kind of find out, you know, what are you doing? Uh, what are the first ones that I went to, or at least one of the biggest ones that I went to, and I spent a lot of time there was the safety department. Um, the safety department would use Excel sheets and they would compare uh, one Excel sheet to another. So they would download the data from one site and then would download, download the, another data from another site. And then they would try to compare, um, which, you know, they didn't understand the lookup. They didn't understand, um, you know, how to use some of these things, but they needed something to produce a specific result on their um, Excel documents. Um, so essentially, I created a couple of macros and I, I um, showed them um, through a couple of formulas how they could do it. And, you know, this would essentially would save them. And, you know, I calculated, well, how much time are you spending on this, this task versus, you know, if we were to automate this and make it easier for you, and uh, I calculated more or less based off of what I thought they, they earned per hour. Um, we were creating a savings uh, somewhere around like $1,000 a month or $1,500, uh, which was, you know, it's not that much. But what they got back was a significant amount of time per month that they can now do for something else. So, you know, as I'm working through, through some of these things and kind of finding ways to help my, my fellow departments, you know, now that I've got all this extra time, uh, there was a help desk position. And that was, uh, that was the first time that I got to meet Mike Kelly. Uh, <laughs> one of, one of uh, the, the developers that I knew there, he's like, hey, uh, there's a position open. Uh, you should go talk to Mike. And he was actually in El, in El Paso. So I went over there and talked to him. And I said, hey, I'm, I'm interested. And, um, and then, you know, when it came down to, I submitted an application, and then that's how I started going to help desk. Okay. And so tell me about some of the experiences and, and what happened for you through help desk, and you know, walk me through what you learned from that, how it helped you grow um, to do more and and talking to, to management and, and helping people with solutions or, or what was it like working at the help desk? You know, what, we, we all have those stories. I, like, you know, I, I know I spent one time, I spent hours trying to help somebody troubleshoot why, why their computer was broken and how it wouldn't turn on only to realize that he was hitting the power button on the monitor and never <laughs> actually turning the computer on. And it was such really? a simple solution. I just could not see it. I, I couldn't fathom that, that he's going to hit the power button on the monitor and can't understand why the computer's not turning on. So, so if you've got any stories like that, bring those up. <laughs> so actually, I, I've got one, and, and it, it's, it's kind of uh, – it falls back on me. So as, as a logistics clerk, there was this one time that I come in, and uh, you know, my monitor isn't working. Um, one of them was, right? And I'm like, okay, why isn't my monitor working? So I started thinking, all right, I'm going to look at the video card. I'm going to look at the drivers. I'm going to look at, um, you know, try to find out, is this thing um, correctly configured? You know, what am I missing? I checked the cables. And, you know, it took me about 15 minutes because I, I, you know, I came from the computer world. So I'm like, this is a simple problem. I don't have to call help desk to get this, you know, get this to work. So, you know, you know, I don't know if Mike, if you knew that story, but, you know, I apologize. I, I opened up uh, a computer uh, property to, to, to try to fix it myself. But um, 
so I, I, I went in there, I took the video card, I put it back in there. I, um, went into the drivers. I tried to find out what, you know, make sure that everything is up to date, make sure, you know, as much as I could, because it was obviously restricted to a, a user profile, but I got to that point where I'm like, okay, all right, I give up. I don't know what it is. It, it may be a bad motherboard or something. And when I call, I, I get a tech support, right? And, and he's, he, he was asking me what, what's going on. I'm like, my monitor. Uh, for some reason, it's, it's broken. I already got into the drivers. I got into, uh, you know, I checked the video card. I checked the cables. Everything seems to be okay. I'm, I'm wondering if it's a, a bad motherboard. So he remotes in, and guess what? He could see both monitors. So, and he's like, is it is a monitor on? And at that moment, I was like, oh, my God. This is so <laughs> embarrassing. Yeah, the power button was off. <laughs> uh, Don't you love that? <laughs> And I was like, okay, I hope he doesn't tell Mike because I'm really interested in this position because this is a very, very dumb fail right there. <laughs> oh, man. No, I don't remember yeah. that one. That's probably a good thing. <laughs> All right. So more about Help Desk. What was it like doing Help Desk and what, what things did you learn there? Um, and how did that help you grow even more? Because now you've gone from hardware learning how to program, you're teaching people how to use computers. You, you go off, get a job that's not really, you're using the computers, but you're not really doing that, the, the techie stuff. And then, then you get an opportunity to do level one help desk. So, so as a level one help desk, you know, there's certain access that you get. One of the major things that I always wanted, um, or that I, that I, you know, it's like a lot of people say, you know, I'm lazy. Um, why? Because you want to be able to automate things. Well, the thing is that it's not that I'm lazy. I am. I hate repetitive things. I want to make sure that we can automate this. So there was a couple of things that the the help desk team were were doing repetitive. And um, as I started to kind of research and kind of um, um, understand how how these applications worked, um, I don't know if you remember, I created a, a GUI that would um, essentially uh, install and uh, configure certain aspects of like the AS400 client, or um, I think it was tributary, or there was a couple of things that I, um, through scripts and through an actual GUI, um, it helped my team uh, be efficient. You know, instead of having to go out there and, and do these installs and you know, wait 15, 20 minutes, um, they would do them in the background and essentially call the end user and say, hey, look at your screen. It's already there. So this was, was back in the day when, um, you know, this was an XP machine and, and it was a PowerShell, was an actual, what is it, a, like a package that you would have to download and install. Um, there was a variety of things that, that I would use that, you know, I would look at the problem and say, well, there's got to be a better way of doing this. You know, why are we having to, uh, one of those examples, what are we, why are we having to log into the server stop the service and start the service again. You know, it doesn't make sense. There's, there's obviously a failure somewhere in the application, um, manufacturer application that we can't handle, but there has to be a way for us to come, you know, uh, automate this and not have to worry about waking up at two, three in the morning to get this done. So, you know, through tools like PowerShell um, and uh, VBScript and, you know, create, you know, certain things that would either be on the you know scheduled tasks or be able to be executed remotely from um, 
the the text computer. So by building some of these some of these solutions uh, for the team to help them, the main goal was let's be efficient. Let's make sure we're not losing time that doesn't need to be lost. And um, so as a help desk, I was able to, um, you know, Messiah Valley uh, Transportation, and obviously with with Mike uh, Mike's leadership there, um, learning and understanding um, or, or training and, and understanding that, um, you know, the skills that you learn is only going to help the company grow uh, was something that was very beneficial uh, to me because I was able to, to uh, use, you know, the, the latest technology, the newest tools that were out there, um, learn um, how to apply them and, and make things that are easier for the departments or the, you know, the different departments around me and help them grow. So from a help desk perspective, one of the biggest things and most important things that I learned um, is how the operations workflow looks like, what is important to them, so that I understand how the applications that we're supporting will actually help them be successful. So understand the business so that you can know how the technology that you're supporting works for the for the business exactly okay and and so what are some of the other things that you let you learned along the way um like that those kinds of things what are how did you how did you go from doing help desk to uh, managing the help desk and and what were some of the things that that helped that happen it, it was, so moving from a help desk um, position over to basically a leadership position is by, um, by not holding the technology or the, the skills that you have in, by making sure that your team is, or at least your, in that sense, like your, your coworkers understand that there's a better way of doing things and helping train them so that they can do it themselves um, was the, the, was the, the, the best way um, to help grow into that role, right? Because I was exposed as a, um, as a lead for the team. So, sorry, let me take that back. Before I became a lead, um, I was generally finding ways for them to be efficient at what they were doing. So finding uh, finding opportunities that they don't have to do repetitive tasks or do tasks that take them longer than, than, than usual was one of the ways that it helped me build up um, and be, in, in, in my, uh, as far as I understand, be offered that uh, leadership position. Okay. Looking at, at instead of a, an I, right? Right. Yeah, so helping the team grow and, and looking for chances for automation and efficiency and, and then creating things that, that help with that. Um, one of the things that I always, it, it, and it seems to me, it almost seems counterintuitive, but if I can help you save an hour, we actually get two hours. 
because now you're no longer spending that work doing task one for an hour that we, we automate that task and take it away or, or let a system handle that. And now you get to do task two during what was that hour you were using on task one. So task one is still getting completed and now you've got task two being completed. So you, you basically, if you can save somebody an hour of work, you give them another hour so that you get two hours out of it, not just one. Yeah, exactly. And, and from a, from a leadership's perspective, if you train, um, you know, some of your employees on certain aspects that you do, um, they get to learn a new skill. They become more valuable to the company and, you know, essentially the industry, but you get to, to train them. But does that necessarily mean that they're going to be, um, there's a possibility for them to take over what, you know, over your job or over yours or, you know, essentially replace you. Well, it's up to you, right? You train somebody to understand or learn this skill set, but you don't utilize that time back to learn another one, then you're you're essentially putting yourself in that situation where you technically could be replaced. So as a as a leader or as a um, you know team member at Mesillo Valley, anything that or Mesillo Valley MBT, anything that I would show my teammates and help elaborate their skill now gave me time to go back and learn something else and kind of come back. And, and that was kind of the, the, um, you know, the, the, the environment that I was building with, with, um, as a director with, with my team, try to be able to bring up other individuals so that, um, they had the opportunity to go back and, and learn new skills and essentially bring that, that more innovation to the company. You, you just made me think of a, an old saying in a completely new way, but I think it kind of summarizes what you're saying. And that is, if you teach a man to fish, then you can learn to go hunt. There you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, but yeah, I mean, it, so, so that's, that's a, actually, that's an awesome way of looking at it. I hadn't really summarized it in the way that, that you just said it that um you know if i if i teach somebody to do something and i don't have them do what i taught them then um then i take away my own opportunity to go learn so if i teach somebody to learn or teach some yeah teach somebody so that they if i teach somebody so that i can go learn something new and then you you bring that back, and um, you know essentially it's 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 a, it's an ongoing thing, right? It it's a ripple. They come back, they teach somebody else that's that they're bringing up, and they get a new opportunity. So that's one of the ways that, that we build that we built uh, some of the skill sets that we have at, at Mesilla Valley, right? Or MBT. Okay, so so all right, team lead, then help desk manager. Then, then on to what? And, and what did tell me more about your experiences and, and what you've learned or, or you know, the on the, since so, I was there with some with you for some of it, there were many long nights. <laughs> many long nights, right? So, uh, understanding. So, so there was one particular, and, and this is why help desk is important. And this is one of the reasons uh, I fully believe in uh, bringing up somebody within. Um, 
the within the company instead of um, you know technically hiring from the outside, right? Building the skill up from 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 within. One of the one of the occasions that I remember um, that would would really help me understand the value of understanding the workflow within the organization was the time that our 400 went down. It was an actual physical electrical part that failed within this this um, very crucial environment that completely um, you know destroyed the ability to fail over into the secondary state. I don't know if you remember that. Oh yeah. <laughs> I remember exactly but, what you're talking about. <laughs> There was a four, I think it was a four hour, a six hour um, time uh, or ETA to get the, the device in and get the support to get it installed because it was a, you know, a specific, unique part. And what was really, what, what really helped me, um, you know, manage my team and help my team help operations was kind of understand, understand the workflow understand how the operations was used utilizing you know the the software that we or the um, applications or servers we we had applied or, or that we had um, um, you know we had installed or we had uh, given them and then understand the skill set within um, my team and the way that we limped along because obviously we were not efficient at that specific moment we're talking about a complete shutdown during the day, I think it was more or less like around 10 a.m. Um, with the ETA of, of four to six hours, we were talking about a lot of hours of not being in, in, in production. One of the ways that, that helped me um, kind of alleviate or at least bring down the fire a little bit was to understand that I had you know, the TMS administrators and then we had a development or a training um, um, environment that was synchronized with our you know production environment well our production environment completely was out of you know there was nothing we could do we couldn't get into it there was absolutely nothing that that we can utilize from there so one of the things that that i remember i'm like well wait a second our development environment contains all the information that this team needs to continue at least continue working with the loads that are in transit and make sure that we continue our, our, our process and, um, you know, be a little bit less impact to the, um, to the organization. So as I instructed my, my team members and I said, please create or please allow them access into the training environment. Please make sure that they don't make modifications to it. And then I went back to operations and I instructed them, I need, I need, you know, I need a certain amount of groups to take phone calls. I need uh, specific supervisors to be able to print out, um, you know, the loads for that day or for those particular divisions and please spread them out. Please give them the, the, the driver information, the phone numbers, you know, everything. Let's communicate with them and give them the ability to, um, you know, give them details like pickup numbers, delivery numbers, you know, give them the ability to keep moving forward. So understanding the workflow, understanding our environment and tweaking our phone system so that it functions the way that it needed to function in that those particular hours. I mean, yeah, it, it we were limping along, but we were not dead in water. So there was a that was understanding how important the help desk and understanding how the workflow works 
is very, very important for the IT department and how to, for, for, for that department to be able to support, you know, the operations of the company as a whole. Yeah, so if the help desk doesn't understand how the company performs business, their ability to help in a crisis is minimized. Exactly. Versus, versus being a force multiplier, they're, they're now another burden or another group who can't work um, because yeah. technology's down. Exactly. Exactly. That, sounds like, that sounds like a long day, man. <laughs> it, it was. Uh, trust me, it was. <laughs> I remember on the on the calling you a couple of times, saying, "Hey, this is where we're at. Hey, this is what we're doing. Hey, you know." And, and the first thing, as soon as I came back and I, I talked to my um, my AS four hundred administrator, I'm like, "How bad is it?" He's like, "It's really bad. Both sides are down. It's a physical um, a module that's that's broken. There's really nothing we can do." And I'm like, what's the ETA? The ETA is this. The very first thing that I did is I went straight to the COO and I said, this is bad. Um, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. We're not going to have this within the next couple of hours. It's not something we can wait. We need to fall back to um, a plan B or um, another plan that, that we can make sure that we continue to limp along. And yeah, that's that one I, was like a complete plan D that you thought of at the moment by recognizing what was around and seeing, oh, hey, the training environment is synchronized with production. We at least know where everything is. We're no longer completely blind, literally exactly. blind. <laughs> so, you know, it helped us limp along, which is, which is, uh, and then once the, the part came back up, everybody stayed a couple, you know, a few hours later, but we were able to continue moving forward, which is, is, is what's important. Yeah, because transportation, I mean, in 24-7 business with um, constantly changing information where everybody everybody wants to know where their package is. I mean, today, we're all looking at our phones wondering when Amazon's going to get to the front door. Uh, but back then, yeah. it was, you know, we were looking for where's the truck and how, when's it going to get to the, uh, the store or when's it going to get to the distribution center so that it can pick up that next load. Exactly. Exactly. All right. And, and so from help desk manager, then you went to? Um, <clears throat> uh, director. Um, so um, from, well, actually, it's from my team manager in, into director. So the, the, the different aspects of, um, as I learned um, how my job role was with the organization, now you know, as a director, I'm faced with trying to balance the requirements of 14 different companies that they all want the same thing at the same time, right? You know, what, 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 what can actually cause, what are the negative aspects of not being able to handle that are? I mean, you, you, my experiences are, you know, you had a lot of shadow IT, like, uh, you know, that started to come around. That started to become a, a, a pretty big problem. Because now you have some of these, you know, um, leadership teams that um, they know they need a particular item, but they don't really understand how the environment or how the uh, technology environment around them works. So it comes down to, all right, you know, I bought this, you know, make it work, right? Or 
um, hiring outside entities to come over here and um, tweak your your environment, essentially, uh, you know, affecting your your policy. So I, I um, you know, some of those scenarios. So as a director, what was my responsibility? How did I learn? Or what did I learn from being a, a director? So as a director, it was important for me to work around with my, my peers, understand um, the leadership team, understand, um, you know, first off, gain their trust. That was one of the very first things. You have to gain the trust of the leadership of the other companies and the departments. If you don't gain their trust, um, that's when things like, uh, just like I said, shadow IT become um, you know, evident. So gaining their trust um, means uh, that you have to understand, obviously, their workflow. You have to understand what is their bottom line. You have to understand what makes them profitable. You have to understand what is important to that one company. Not... Um, you know, not what's important to me and, and my department, but it's how my department can make changes so that what's important to them, um, you know, is there. If that makes any sense. So, yeah, yeah. As a director, um, so yeah, as a director, I had to learn to talk, um, you know, talk the language of, of other people. Um, one of the biggest difficult or one of the difficult language that, that IT people uh, face is um, talking the, the dollar signs, right? Um, I mean, generally, IT is, is labeled as the highest operational cost that sometimes you don't really see an ROI for. So being able to gain a little bit of trust from, you know, the CFO that's, that, that's uh, you know, guarding and making sure that the, that the company is not wasting money um, that's one of the biggest important that an IT department, IT leadership needs to needs to take on. Basically, talk their language. Obviously, I'm not going to go in there. Or I, I learned not going in there and saying, "Here, this is what it's going to take." We have to have something to back it up. Um, <clears throat> I remember several situations where um, I would present, you know, the project cost of what would it would take to accomplish it. And there was an immediate uh, pushback saying, well, no, this, this, doesn't, this doesn't mean anything. And then coming back with the, you know, an immediate response coming back and saying, well, these are the steps we took. This is what you're going to save if we do this route. Otherwise, if we do this route, these are the uh, quotes. This is the, the overall labor cost. You know, this is the cost analysis of doing this project if you do it several different options. You know, and at that point, we started getting, you know, the response is, all right, you know, this makes sense. Let's move forward. So understanding how to talk that language and understanding what their bottom line is and making sure that you gain that trust from the, you know, the financial aspects of the building will only help you. Um, because if, if, if they understand that you're in a, in a, um, you know, this is uh, in a mindset that you're not there to waste money or to purchase you know, an infinite number of tools simply because it's going to make your department easier, but you're there to purchase tools that it's going to make your department efficient is a difference, right? If it's going to make my job easy, right? 
but there's really nothing that the business is going to get out of it. It's not a selling point for them. But if it's something that's going to make you efficient and it's going to protect the environment and it's going to, you know, it's going to provide security and it's going to provide, you know, it's going to have a lot of check marks that is important for that business, then you're selling something different than a tool that's going to help your department. Does that make sense? Yeah. So selling the technology to the organization or selling, helping the the organization understand the value of the technology and how it's going to affect the business and making sure that it, that they understand it's not just a new shiny toy for all of the uh, geeks in the closet to uh, play with. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, Tell me, tell me some um, about this, this new, venture that you're on, um, Datamark. Tell me about what's going on with that. So, and some of the environment. I, you mentioned something about working with people who are doing things internationally while your focus is on the continental U.S. Did I catch yeah, that exactly. correctly? <clears throat> yeah, that, that, that's correct. Um, so my team is um, essentially in charge of the United States, right? Um, there's a We've got a global team. There's a an IT manager in Mexico. There's an IT manager in India. So we've got, uh, you know, essentially three places that we have uh, data centers in. Um, overall, you know, there's a a I would say about uh, I believe it's about you know 450 servers or such that we support globally, and um, you know, there's a lot more networks and switches, you know, um, network equipment that is uh, spread out amongst these three sites. Um, I'm in charge of, um, I've got seven, seven people. I've got uh, technicians, I've got a systems engineer, systems administrators and, and, uh, network uh, engineers. So I've got a couple of, uh, uh, my team is not that big, but the responsibility that they take on is 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 enormous right their skill set that that um i've learned um while working with them it's uh you know they understand their stuff like it's it's uh they've taken the necessary steps to understand this um elaborate environment that we're working to help support um you know different entities within one specific um location and being able to support um, the security aspect of it, being able to, to segregate them in such a way that it, um, they're completely you know, I, you know, isolated from the rest of the environment. I mean, it's, it's a very elaborate, it's very um, interesting, and um, there's a lot of potential for growth um, in understanding how, how things function at, you know, at Datamark. It's, uh, and I'm learning a lot of things that um, uh, I was not necessarily exposed. I mean, as a company, we're very um, security focused. I mean, we're we're moving. You know, we're we're not only moving, but we've always been trying to um, trying to go after and make sure that we don't have any loose ends. 
don't have any loose ends. So um, reducing that attack surface and, and the vulnerabilities that, that are innate within IT. So I'm, I'm curious, um, one of the things that you talked about at, at your prior job was that, you know, growing with the business and understanding the business, and now you find yourself in a new environment in a new business. Um, so how, what's, what's that shift like and, and how are you finding a way to, um, to leverage what you know that, but from a completely different industry, um, to help create success for yourself Learning, and for the new organization. Teaching myself Continue to another learn. set of languages. Uh, teaching myself how the different departments function, you know, understanding their um, requirements, understanding how, you know, each individual project that we support um, or, or each individual client, what their requirements are, um, how to, you know, leverage my team to make sure that, that we're, we're, we're supporting this customer and that this customer is, um, you know, satisfied with, with our work. So, Essentially, how how do you make this work? How do you manage uh, you know the the IT department so that it makes the business move forward? And the the only way, and then basically, you know, coming from an, uh, a different industry, coming from you know a completely different environment, how do you make that work? And the best way is. You have to go and make sure you understand the different departments. You have to understand their workflow. You have to understand what's important to them. You have to understand how to make those departments successful and how that applies to your team and how that applies to what your team is doing and making sure that the goals are aligned, um, you know, that they're both moving in the same direction. Align the business, align IT with the business, understand the business. So you're still taking that same lesson forward. You're just now spending time to learn the new business. Exactly. You got any other tips or tricks or things that, that, that the next generation needs to know? Or, or um, as, as a leader, um, if you are in a position of leadership, if you're moving into a position of leadership, um, it's, it's always important to look at this uh, in, in a specific way. You have to make sure you understand what your department's goals are. You have to make sure you understand where you are. Know your department. Um, you know, understand where you're, um, you know, where are you located? And one of the biggest things that I always um, talk to my, my, uh, my team members and, and try to change or try to, um, you know, make them under, or help them understand that this is the goal that where we're going is kind of understand where are you with regards to the business? You know, there's always that, that support department. There's always that IT department, right? Where you're there to fix anything that breaks. And that's your essential duty. You're there to fix anything that breaks. But what's wrong with that is that the business doesn't trust you enough to bring about any solutions that may help them. So now you're getting into um, being forced 
to make an application function that generally, you know, is not supposed to work that way. So you start losing compliance, you start losing efficiency, you start you start losing um, um, losing to you know application failure or solution failure because of you know shadow by T. You were you were put into a position where you don't know how to make it the best that it can. But if the business were to trust you and bring you into that conversation when they're thinking about it, now you've got an opportunity to, you know, understand, um, is this product going to fit in the environment that we currently have? And if it doesn't fit, you know, you've got a voice now to come back and say, you know, this product is great, but we're not ready for it. Or, you know, this product may seem that it's great, but it's outdated and we're going to lose compliance. So by moving your department from a support standpoint into a service, into a business partner, and it essentially being part of the strategic, um, strategic um, you know, planning phase, and, and, and having that goal as, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make my department um, transition into this specific um, uh, you know, partnership or, or area within the business will help minimize some of these um, issues that many IT departments face. Um, so getting so, involved in that conversation with the business early versus having to react to the decisions that they've already made without you and trying to play catch up. Exactly. Because then, if if you're in, if you're playing catch up, then you're always technically firefighting. You're never preventing. You're never um, going after innovation. You're never going to be have the opportunity to uh, grow your skill set because you're always trying to fix things that are or patch or band aid things that generally were not supposed to be made that way. Okay. You got uh, Is there anything that you want to promote? Anything you want to bring up and and um, let anybody know that you're doing or the like habit or uh, habits, um, <laughs> hobbies, um, things that you're doing that, that that you're proud of that you want to mention on the show? That I'm proud of. Well, um, I mean. Uh, what are you doing? What are you doing in your spare time for enjoyment? What's what makes you smile when you get when you get home from work and you're not having to deal with with the office? What are you doing that makes you smile? Uh, my family, my my daughters, my my wife, my beautiful wife. Um, spend time with them. Um, you know, disconnect. Um, that's one of the one of the biggest things that's a little hard for me um, because. I generally, you know, if I'm faced with a problem, I think about it, I think about it, I think about it. So learning to disconnect, um, regardless of what that is, um, in my, in my um, specific, um, you know, in, in my situation, being able to spend time with that, whether it's watching a movie, whether it's, you know, playing a game or playing something, it's just disconnecting from, from work. And getting away from technology, that's, that's one of the biggest things. You see a screen every day, eight hours a day or nine hours a day. 
and you need to get away from that. So spending time with my family, um, you know, that's, that's what helps me relax. That's what helps me, you know, gain that. Um, I could be on, um, you know, after 11 or 12 PM working, um, you know, nonstop. Um, but if I have that break, and I'm able to spend time with with my family. Or maybe it's kind of like a refresher. Come back and or not a refresher, but a um, I guess like a new energy, right? And you come back and you you approach things a different way. So I'm a family. I mean, you've always known me. I'm I'm, I'm a family person. I uh, you know I love spending that time with my family. I think it's one of my most important things too is that chance to just come home, spend some time with them, um, and enjoy the family and the love and, and share that and and get some of the rewards of all of the time we spend at the office. Yeah. Because um, we get a chance to take care of them by being at the office and then come home and, and actually spend some time with them. So, yeah. So remember to spend some time with the family. All right. Well, hey, um, you know, one thing that I need to promote is, of course, the uh, Dissecting Popular IT Nerds. And so if you uh, like the show, um, please uh, leave a comment, um, give us a thumbs up or, or a upvote or, or whatever it is on the service that you're using. But definitely let us know what you what you think of the show and, and um, go to your wherever you're downloading the podcast from and, and please leave us a comment. Jose, it's been great talking to you. Um, I hope you have a, a wonderful evening and, and go spend some time with that family. Really appreciate Likewise. your time today. Bye everyone.